Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5pm at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so for this little season uh, between uh, Resurrection Sunday and Pentecost, we're going to hang out a little bit in those weeks with the disciples. And we're going to be hanging out in the passages which talk about in the Bible when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And we're going to be asking, what was that like to have Jesus suddenly come in your midst? What did Jesus say to them? What did he teach them? What was he doing with them? And what was Jesus imparting to the young church before he left to go to the Father? And what promises and commands did he leave them with? So he only had a few weeks, six weeks in all before his ascension. And these appearances are key moments for us as we're learning to be Jesus' followers. So that's where we're going to be hanging out for the next little bit of time. Now, in the vineyard, we've got a saying, the main and the plain. Have you heard of that one before? The main and the plain. So what we're talking about there is when we're studying Scripture, we're trying to bring out uh, the main message of Jesus and make it plain and clear so that we can understand it. And some texts are a bit easier to do that with than others, um, but we're going to be hanging out in John. Now, the Gospel of John is amazing, isn't it? Who loves the Gospel of John? Um, He's a cracking writer, and his gospel is fully loaded, and he's actually beautifully crafted that account of the life of Jesus. And he's talking about how Jesus is like, not only is he talking about Jesus' life and what Jesus did in his life, but he's talking about how Jesus fits into like the the meta-narrative or the big picture of God's big story. And so that's where we're going to be hanging out today and a bit later on as well, the next couple of weeks in John 20. And we're going to be um, looking at this amazing chapter and looking at what is the main and the plain that's going on here. The message of what God has accomplished through the life and the ministry, the death, resurrection, and the ongoing mission of Jesus. Now, I've been on my uh, phone um, during the week to um, Joe. We quite often have little, little text um, chats throughout the week. And Joe texted me in the week and said, how's your message going? She didn't, I said to her that I had speaking this Sunday. I was working on my message at that moment and she got quite a a download of how I was going because (laughs) I was so excited. (laughs) Jonathan was in the other room trying to work on a message that he's preparing for a ministry trip that's coming up and I was kept running in and telling him stuff and he was trying to focus on what he was doing but um, I was so excited about this passage so I hope that comes through today. Um, Thanks Phil, if you could go on to the next one. We're going to be looking at five verses but I was reading in, in my commentary that I was using to help me along this week um, that Edward Clink, who's done the, the study on John, he says that these five short verses abound with the theological force of the entire gospel. So buckle up. <laughs> Isn't that a great quote? So, I mean, we can say it's pretty main and plain then. Or it's main. Maybe it's not plain. We're going to make it plain. But it is main. Um, So let's get into it. So our reading today is coming from verses 19 to 23. Um, So let's do a little backup and do a recap of what has happened so far. Thanks, Phil. 
So chapter 23 is divided into um, three mini-stories that take place on Resurrection Sunday and then one that takes place a week later. And if you were to read the whole of the chapter, which I would highly recommend, um, you will see these stunning reports of the discovery of the empty tomb um, on that first morning of Easter Day. Then you will see Jesus, how Jesus appears and speaks with Mary Magdalene in the garden. And then we've got the account that we're looking at today, which is the appearance to the disciples. And finally, Jesus' appearance to the disciple Thomas, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks' time. So let's um, start in verse 19. Thanks, Phil. Jesus appears to his disciples. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive my spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Okay. I think we can see what uh, Mr. Clink was getting on, on, going on about with those, uh, those five verses. There's so much treasure in here, isn't there? We're going to have a go at unpacking it today. So what's the main idea in John's account? Well, you may or may not know that John uses, when he's writing about Jesus' life, he, he uses a basic structure of the creation theme from Genesis for his whole gospel. And you remember how he starts out in his prologue, and we love to read it, don't we, every Christmas in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he's, John is using this theme of creation all the way through. And here in chapter 20, he's drawing that theme to a, a dramatic climax as he introduces the events that are taking place on how he's framing the new first day which we've begun reading about if we'd started at the beginning of chapter 20. And that is the first day of new creation, which occurred with Jesus' resurrection. So as we join the disciples on that Sunday evening, this is the very first Lord's Day. I don't know if you grew up um, in a more traditional church which talked about Sunday being the Lord's Day. So if you like, we could think about the conversation that we've just read as taking place, uh, as to, uh, that's just taking place, is, is like the first church meeting. It doesn't really seem like it when we started there in verse 19. The disciples are meeting together like we are today. We could look at it that way, or we could say actually they're hiding. Uh, the doors are locked and they're in fear of the Jewish leaders. Now that's not really surprising. We do like to bag the disciples, don't we? But let's be honest, they've had a horrendous weekend. They've just uh, witnessed two days earlier the arrest and then the brutal killing of their best friend and their rabbi. They were terrified. And they were terrified because they thought that by association they might make a similar, meet a similar fate. So I think it's safe to say that these guys felt anything but safe and anything but peace when we find them together on that Sunday night. They were heartbroken and also very confused because earlier that day, they've run down to the tomb and they found that it's empty. And they found that Mary has claimed to see Jesus. 
And so what, what happens next is groundbreaking. We have this new creation, Jesus, appearing in the room. And he began, then begins to set out and create new life in the disciples right there and then. So in a few words, Jesus begins to transform this little baby church by replacing their fear with forgiveness and by imparting a true peace, the true peace of God, which has never before been experienced. And he then goes on to command his church to participate in the ongoing work of God by responding to the mission of God through the Spirit of God. So it's the first ever church sermon and ministry time. And Jesus has got basically four statements that we're going to look at today. And these are essential for us to grasp as a church going forward. And Jesus here um, climatically summarizes the theology of the gospel, what the new covenant looks like, and the mission of the church. So these statements cover the peace of God when Jesus says, peace with you, peace be with you. The mission of God, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The Spirit of God, receive the Holy Spirit. And then the ministerial authority of God. If you've forgiven anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, you might think that's a lot to fit into a 30-minute message, and it is. But we can't really split these statements up. You could think, oh, this is a nice little series here. Let's do one at a time. But it doesn't really work like that because each statement corresponds to the next. Thanks, Phil. And there's like a flow that's going on between these statements. And so we'll also see that as Jesus is speaking, he's also demonstrating and he begins to activate at the same time, a kind of show and tell ministry time happening there on that first Sunday. So let's get stuck into this first statement. Um, peace be with you, the peace of God. These, these are Jesus' first words to his group of friends since the last words that he spoke at the cross. It is finished. And these two statements go really well together. It is finished and peace be with you. If we remember a little further back in the long, long discussion that Jesus was having in the Last Supper with his disciples, um, we can remember some of his words, can't we, around the table. And I'll paraphrase some of them here from John 14. I will leave you, but in a little while I will return to you. I will not leave you as orphans. My peace I give to you. I am coming to you. Over and over again through those chapters at the end of John. And so here he is. He's come as he promised. And now he comes bringing with him the full blessing of peace that has been prophesied by the Old Testament prophets and spoken about by himself. And this is, um, we, we, we use the word peace there, but it's a little bit more than that. It's the shalom peace of God. And that is a loaded statement. Now, some of us, um, I'm not looking anywhere in particular, might have grown up in the 60s and uh, 70s. And a common uh, sort of greeting, wasn't it, in those times was peace, man. And so we might not really, you know, grasp the significance of what Jesus is saying, if we grew up saying those kind of things. But this is the true peace of God. 
<laughs> That's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's not, an, it's not shalom as in the absence of conflict. But it's a wholesale peace that comes from experiencing the justice and righteousness of God in all of life. Um, a few months ago, we were looking at Alexander Venter's doing healing, weren't we? And he was talking a lot about shalom there. And he defines it like this. Um, God's reign of holistic order and well-being, peace, prosperity, health and harmony through right relationships. It is the absolute opposite of disintegrating chaos and destruction caused by sin, sickness, demons and death and the rule of evil. So it's a loaded statement and it's, we can tell it's loaded because Jesus is doing something at the same time as speaking that out to the disciples. So we talked, didn't we, about him showing and telling. So as he stood before them that day, speaking that peace over the disciples, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. Now, this is really important. You might think, that's a bit icky. I don't want to know about those kind of wounds. Why would you be walking in the room showing those things? You might think, well, that makes sense. Jesus is just trying to prove to them, you know, I, I've, I've, I was dead and now I've raised again. But you can see it's me because look, you look what they did to me. You might think that's what is going on here. But there's much more happening. What Jesus is, is doing is saying that this, this complete peace that I'm now giving to you is available because of my death and resurrection. And this is the very thing, isn't it, that Isaiah was talking about in his poem in, in chapter 53. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We were studying this week in our house, weren't we, the, our Understanding the Kingdom course that we've been going through. Um, and Derek Morphew was teaching on there, and what he was talking about was... Um, a, one of the sure signs of the kingdom of God being present among us is when justice and righteousness reign through this shalom, through this peace. And here, because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of him taking into himself all the sin, because of his victory over the powers and the darkness, which is evidenced in his wounds, he is now able to impart that true lasting peace, the new creation peace. It's the first time it's happened that evening. It hadn't happened before. Thanks, Phil. And Paul, doesn't he, sums this up for us in Colossians really well in chapter 1. Yet now he has reconciled, himself to, reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So this is what was happening in that first meeting together. So what was the response of the disciples when they heard this good news? Sue called it out earlier. Joy. Overwhelming joy. Everything changed for them with that announcement. The followers of Jesus now have peace and right standing with God. And the result, joy. This is the good news, folks. This is why I ran into Jonathan <laughs> and I was texting Joe going, I'm jumping up and down in my chair. 
This hadn't happened before. And this, as we're going to go on to see before I get too excited and get myself in a muddle, this is our state of being right now. We have this peace. Now, during the Last Supper conversation that I've talked to you just about just now, Jesus tried to encourage the disciples because he wanted to, them to get to this bit, but they, he knew they had to go through that awful um, experience in between. And he was trying to reassure them, and he said, in a, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. And here we see the outworking on that first Sunday evening. Also, you know, John is trying to get us to imagine, and once we've got the whole um, array of Scripture in our minds, what we can imagine here is actually Revelation 5 of, of all the worshippers around the slain lamb as, as the lamb is welcome to open the scroll. And it's because of his wounds that he's able to open that scroll and the, and the whole of heaven is gathered around. So there's two things going on here. There's, a, there's a, a something physical happening in the world, in the earth that we're living in, and it's mirrored in heaven with the slain lamb around the throne. I just think they would just felt such relief and joy in that moment. Thanks, Phil. Now, the next statement that Jesus goes on to do is he, he begins to commission the disciples. And so... There's not much time to kind of sit down and go, oh, thank goodness for that. We can sit here now and it's all going to be okay. <laughs> because that peace with God has an immediate impact. And it's not a secret to be kept, but it's good news to be shared. And so he starts his commission, which is good news for us, with that same statement again, a statement of peace. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So he's, he's saying, you know, this peace is not just for you guys, but it's for everyone. So quick, you know, as fast as you can, go and tell the others. But don't go from a place of fear and shame and brokenness. Leave all that behind. I've dealt with it all in my very own body, which you can see right here. It's finished. And so you go now as I have gone, but go in peace. And that doesn't mean feeling peaceful in your heart because, you know, you've got some news, you're a bit worried how someone's going to respond to it, which is sometimes where we sit. But the peace is because we are in right standing now with God. That's the peace that we're going with. And so we go with joy, not because how we're feeling, but because we have right standing with God. Thanks, Phil. So isn't it amazing that in this very church, church meeting, Jesus is making it loud and clear that this message has to go out, that the peace of God has to go out. And this was always God's mission, wasn't it? That the whole world would know his blessing. And so now Jesus is inviting us, as he, as he invited those disciples, to be active participants in his mission. Now, we love to use that word invite, don't we? So that's nice. He's kind of inviting us to get involved if we want. Or we could go, you know, nah, I'm good today. So we don't really like the word command, do we? 
Um, but that's what it is. It's a command. So let me rephrase that. I'll get away from my British politeness. Um, we are now commanded to be active participants in his mission. Because our God is a missionary God. Just as he is uh, love, just as he is holy, he is also missionary. And so it's no wonder when we look at God's character and who he is, on the very first day, in the very first church meeting, this is his number one priority. To share what has happened. So we don't want to just stop there. We could just, you know, if we were doing this as a series, we could go, okay, next statement next week. But they're simultaneous. So simultaneously, again, Jesus is doing something, isn't he, at the same time that he's commissioning them. Another thing that we can be truly thankful for. Because in the same way that he spoke just now and he said the peace because of these wounds, now he's saying, as he goes, he's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. So those two things are happening at the same time. We can't go without the Holy Spirit. So just as the peace is dependent on those sacrificial wounds, the sending is dependent on the receiving and empowering of the Spirit of God. Now, we're going to do something exciting here, which is to have a look at what this phrase uh, means, uh, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the action is that Jesus breathed on them. That's probably what your translation says. It's what mine said. But um, there's plenty of other words that John could have ch chosen in the Greek to say breathing. But none of them are the word that he chose here. And in fact, this is the only place in the whole of the New Testament where this verb is used. So why did John choose this particular verb, which is better translated, he blew on them? Um, so this verb is actually used if you translate the Old Testament into Greek, which is what they did do um, for a period of time. It's used 10 times. And so what John's trying to do is trigger the reader's thoughts to where have I heard, that's an unusual word, where have I heard that before? Oh, I've heard it there, I've heard it there. Thanks, Phil. So this is what we can see is going on here. That blowing is a very strong blowing. It's like a hot wind. And he's using, he's using it to get us to think about these other occasions. Probably the most wonderful and obvious, and which goes with John's theme of creation, is from Genesis 2-7, where the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and blew into his nostrils, and he came alive. Another hyperlink that John obviously has in mind is reminding us of the prophecy in Ezekiel. Who loves reading Ezekiel? If you haven't done it for a little while, I'll get back into it. It's pretty exciting. Um, in, in, in Ezekiel 37 and 9, where you've got the valley of dry bones, and then the Lord blows on the bones, and the flesh comes on them, and they stand up, and there's this amazing army that is formed. This is the same verb that's used there. So John's wanting us to think of these types of things. So at this most dramatic and climatic moment in the gospel, John is trying to signal to us that something amazing is happening in this moment. Something creative and life-giving is taking place right now. It's not any old breathing. This is the moment of new humanity being created and being established, ready to be sent out with this powerful new gospel message of God's peace and freedom and forgiveness. Thanks, Phil.
And as uh, Mr. Clink writes in his commentary, um, this is a remarkable moment. The church becomes both a recipient and a minister of the renewing work of God in one place. We don't want to get stuck in just being a recipient, people. We are also ministers. Thanks, Phil. So let's go back to these statements. We're nearly there, guys. Um, so as this very work of new creation is taking place, Jesus makes his last statement, which is about the ministerial authority of God. And this is where he's talking about that forgiveness of sins. So what's Jesus saying here? This is a bit of a statement. You, you, you kind of go, I don't really know what he's talking about there, but I'm sure it's good. <laughs> I've got everything so far. Can I forgive sins? Me? Not in my own self, but because I'm in Christ. And he has the wounds to prove it. It's done. It's finished. And so I can share that good news. I can say to someone, yes, your sins are forgiven. Come into the family of God. No, I don't think that was in my notes. So it's crucial for us to grasp this point, isn't it? It's quite a theologically dense statement, but essentially what Jesus is saying is that he has joined the disciples. And those in the room right there, some people, there's a big debate about this. Was it just them in the room and now it's not anymore? <laughs> well, yes, it's now as well. It's them and us. We're all established in this authority now, in Jesus's authority. We've been joined to his authority. So it's crucial for us to grasp this point. So now that we've been born again in Jesus, now that we've said yes to him, We've been given his authority to minister that forgiveness that God has already granted through the death, the sacrificial death of Jesus and that resurrection. So the authority that we have, which sometimes we doubt and we don't know really what it means and all those things, we have it now and it's rooted in Jesus. And it's given that we might join in the declared mission of the church and the work of the Spirit in bringing others to know the Father as we have known him. So as we minister forgiveness, we see the Spirit at work through us, bringing God's freedom and hope and salvation. And so our status has changed. If you want to go on Facebook and change your status to born again, new creation. <laughs> it's completely changed, people. You can't be half over here, you know, and then half over here. There's no on the fence, is there? So our identity is now rooted in our new creation in Christ, which means that we have that authority. So when we go and take this message, we go in peace and with authority. And that's what they was downloaded to them on that first day. So isn't that an amazing joy and privilege? So how are we going? What a first day, hey? Now, have you thought through that it doesn't actually just have to be one first day? Because we all had our first day when we said yes to Jesus, didn't we? 
That was our first day. We became a whole new creation in that moment. And so now we get to invite other people to have their own first day when they get to say yes as well. And they are welcomed into the family of God. Now, sometimes our responsibility to, thanks, Phil, sometimes our responsibility to share this good news can seem a bit scary and overwhelming. Or someone else's job, they can do that. They're really good at it, Jane, you know. But if we go back to the passage, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am sending you. I am with you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And here he is. He's come. He's confirmed our new identity. Our status has changed. We have peace with God. Nothing else matters. Nothing can challenge that. Have a look in Romans 8 if you want to explore that further. But our peace through his wounds means that now we can operate from a place of safety, a place of order, a place where God rules and reigns in and through us. We are children of God brought into his family and into the family business, which is salvation. And we are trusted and we are standing firm on the foundation of not our feelings, but of Jesus' completed work on the cross. And so then we are filled with the Spirit. We're giving this authority to go away from here, out of the doors, which thankfully are not locked, and to partner with him in that ongoing work of new creation, ministering the forgiveness for sins and freedom from oppression. Now, sometimes I think we can all agree that we get stuck. But as you can see in the diagram, I've put it in a circle for a reason, because we can get stuck in the first box. And we don't truly believe that we are forgiven. Or perhaps we get distracted by our own comforts and the ease of life. Sometimes we forget the joy of what this means. And so we return to fear and doubt as though we were back in that locked room with the disciples that day. But the message of Jesus on that first day and each one since is to see this to keep going round and around. A never-ending cycle of new life shared, lived and shared again. His sacrifice, receiving peace and joy, our commissioning, accepting and obeying our mission with God. His spirit, receiving his new life and entering into partnership with God. Our authority, showing and telling about his sacrifice, which brings forgiveness. Who loves John 20? <laughs> that was just five verses. It's quite a few more that we can have a look through. So how are we going to respond today? Well, I think God's got two things that he would like us to do. As you can see, we've set some communion up here, and I think he wants to do something before we come to the table and then something afterwards. And I think the first thing he wants to do is to help us to get unstuck from being in that first box. You know, maybe you're struggling to receive that forgiveness. Something in your past still haunts you, or you don't feel worthy somehow, or it's not really complete. You feel like hiding away. You don't really trust the good news. Maybe you've forgotten the joy that that peace of God brings you. 
Or maybe you've never actually embraced it before. Maybe you just have never really accepted that you stand spotless and blameless before God. I think today God wants us to be set free and released from that place so that we can move around the circle. Set free from doubts and fears and to embrace that new identity that we've learned about today. And so I'm going to invite us to come and gather around the communion table. And we're going to take this meal together. But we're just going to take a moment and have a conversation with God about his complete sacrifice for us. The complete forgiveness of sins. The full stop at the end of it is finished. And just invite him into that place in our hearts where we struggle to really stand firm on that place. And after that, we'll share communion all together. And then we're going to do some fun Holy Spirit commissioning.